0: This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer
1: on 98.7 ESPN. This. Yes. The Ty Butler Show. This owner has turned over this organization to Brian Cashman and if you're doing that then honestly there's an argument to be made that the Mets have the better owner. You've empowered him to this extent and you're turning over all of this power to him then that's embarrassing to me. At least Steve Cohen decided you know what this isn't working clearly you actually have to have some sort of a concrete plan that is conducive to winning in this era of baseball. So if we get to the end of the season, and the only person who is held responsible is Aaron Boone, then man, we are hustling backwards. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. At Money, Power, Respect, Ty Butler going until midnight, 800 919 Get at me on Twitter, Ty D. Butler. We're on Instagram as well. Before I get back to the Yankee calls, I do want to weigh in quickly on... Uh, The Jets and Aaron Rodgers. We saw the stories yesterday emanating from training camp about the frustration mounting for the Jets quarterback behind a shoddy offensive line and to me this was much do about nothing rogers being frustrated is obvious you would want him to when his offense isn't humming and clicking to be frustrated because there has to unlike with the yankees be a sense of urgency that starts with training camp that starts with the joint practices against teams like the panthers because the jets have no real margin for errors to start the season. You you look at that opening six-game slate, and it's just you shot out of a cannon. The Jets opening six games, uh, the season can be determined right then and there. We know they start on Monday Night Football with the Bills. That's a home game, and it's one that I would argue you kind of have to win just because, best-case scenario, you're splitting with Buffalo, and you would imagine that the win is going to come at home. Then you go to Dallas, and the good news is Aaron Rodgers has owned the Cowboys. The bad news is that defense is incredible. And if your offensive line has any question marks and is pretty sketchy to begin with, the Cowboys are going to make you pay for it. Then you come home to play the Patriots, a team you haven't beaten since 2015. That's, what, 14 straight losses to Bill Belichick's Patriots. Who knows what's going to happen with Mac Jones. Was he bad last year because of the buffoonery they had at their— Offensive coordinator positions with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Now that you've got uh, what's his name, Bill O'Brien, there to install his offense, it can tap into whatever Mac Jones's potential is, and that can be higher than what we saw last season. So that's week three. Week four, you've got the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs at home Sunday night football. We'll see uh, what unfolds with Chris Jones. He's holding out right now, but you know it looks like the Chiefs are going to get this done. They'll lock him in to a long-term deal. He's one of the best players in football. You, you can't let him be unhappy and miss some games in the season. So That's the first four right there before you go to Denver to play a really good defense in the Broncos. I think they were eighth last year in yards per game. We'll see uh, the Sean Payton and Russell Wilson connection on full display, and if it's going to be anything better than what we had with Nathaniel Hackett. And then following that, you play a team you've never beaten before, and that's the Eagles, fresh off of their Super Bowl appearance, loaded up in a draft, and they are expected to to be great again. So you're playing, really, four of the best teams in football in your first six games. I expect there to be frustration. I expect Rodgers to have urgency. He did talk about it. It didn't sound... Like, he was, you know, overly, overly concerned. I thought we uh, didn't maybe have the
2: same type of energy for whatever reason. Uh, start practice, but I thought there were some good things. A lot of learning, uh, you know, learning tape out there. But I thought, you know, it was good to be out there against a different defense. Thought we handled the uh, front uh, pretty well in run game, pass game. There were some issues.
1: He's pitched a perfect game so far on ingratiating himself with the fan base and dispelling Some narratives that he felt uh, were unfair about him, right? Like, you know, him not being a guy who is good in the locker room. He's a cancer. So far, he's been a great leader. I watched Hard Knocks, and they were just on all over him. The one thing I will say is, you know, I get it. You, you, this is a legend. You grew up watching him play. Let's get over that pretty quickly because these games matter. These are some big games you're going into, and we don't need that. You know, that type of all hail Aaron Rodgers energy. We need you to go out there and perform to the best of your capabilities. But Rodgers, to me, operating with the right level of energy and urgency and emotion because he understands what. The task is ahead of them. The arduous path, that lies ahead as far as the schedule. And you cannot, in this conference, get out to a slow start because, look, you go back to 2020, the Bucks 7-5 and five going into their bye week, bit of a slow start, but they were able to turn things around. That division wasn't very good. Uh, the Jets are in the best division in football. You cannot have a slow start. Uh, it is a concern, the offensive line. It is. We can all dream about this team playing late into January, but if they don't protect their quarterback, none of it's going to matter. I've said this in the past. Simply adding Rodgers to this team under center improves the offensive line just because of the brilliance he brings pre-snap, during the play post-snap, and his ability to diagnose coverages and get guys in the right position. That's going to just naturally improve your offensive line but the fact that he's not as mobile as he was, you know, five ten years ago, is going to create some issues. And as brilliant as he is, if the offensive line is utter trash, they're going nowhere. They're going nowhere. That's the reality. They are going nowhere. So brutal starts to the season. Any Jet fan listening to this would sign up for three and three. Even two and four doesn't completely. Uh, dispose of you, but uh, I just wonder, are Jet fans willing to be patient, or will they be pitchforks and hands ready for all the smoke if they get off to a slow start? That That is a tough schedule, but you're a better team, and if you fashion yourself to be a contender with this elite defense, hopefully you get some, some, some additions to that running back room. With the offense and what it can do if it's clicking on all cylinders, you get got Nathaniel Hackett now on the sidelines. If everything can go the way that you hope, then you shouldn't be afraid of this tough schedule. It's only going to prepare you for what's to come later in the season as you progress and toward hopefully late January, early February. But as far as him being frustrated, I mean, this to me was made as too much of a big deal. I I didn't mind it at all. I am concerned about the offensive line. There's some conversation already starting. Should they move uh, AVT over the tackle? Look, he, he is a pro bowler at guard. I would love to keep him in the position where he's most comfortable, where he's going to reach his absolute apex. The problem is you're now depending on Dwayne Brown, who's 37. I think he's like the second oldest tackle in all of football. That's who you're putting uh, all, all your eggs in that basket. That's who you are are depending on to come back off of an injury to be your savior. It's going to be a, a tall, tall order. 800 3776 Let's go to Brian in Pearl River. What's up, Brian? Hey, what's up, Ty?
2: Um, yeah, I know you just talked about the Jets, but I just wanted to say something about the Yankees. Go ahead. Let's do it. But you know what? But talking about it, Yankees and Yankee Stadium, you should be there tomorrow night. If you want to get into the into the hip-hop world, you know, how about a little tie coming on during intermission, coming out, you know? I would love do? to.
1: Brian, uh, I would uh, love to, but I'm going to be doing the show tomorrow. I'm I'm doing 6.30 to 10. The concert starts at 6.00. Probably be over at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, so it's just not going to happen, man. I would love to be they're, there.
2: They're going to have quite a few acts there, so I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't put a time on. I mean, I know that the promoters love to do that because yeah. like, they don't, wanna, they don't want to. I would love to
1: be there, though, Brian. I mean, everything inside of me wants to be. You know what? I might text John. Can't come in. Feeling a little sick. The bubble guts. Can't Can't come do the show tomorrow.
2: That could be right. That could be one of, that could be one of the most famous call outs ever. Are you kidding? You know, some of the best some of the most fun is doing intermission too. Yeah.
1: You come out,
2: you know, you know some of the guys, maybe. You come out on the stage, you grab that mic, you have a white tuxedo on. I mean you don't have to go on the train with a white tuck, but you bring it with you, you know, you can change in the Yankee. So you're on the stage, it's Yankee Stadium, you wanted to be the center fielder, but now you're not the center fielder, but you're on center stage there. The lights are on. Everybody's having a fun time. You grab that mic, you start going.
1: Yeah, I knew he was going in a, a, a direction that, that we didn't want to go in. I knew that was coming, so I was ready for it. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. See the Yankee calls here. Uh, we'll get back to them once we return right here on 9870 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. But you gotta be an absolute lame to prank call a radio station. I mean, it's 11 o'clock at night. You have nothing else better to do. Just a a lame and a a cornball. Like, the highest degree of cornball behavior is, is prank calling a radio show. That's... Odd behavior. eight hundred nine Let's go to Jose in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose?
0: Oh, good evening, Ty. Shout out to the company. and Oh, man, there's, there's a lot of them because, you know, they're, they're, I'm not even going to mention their name because, you know, there was one that just came after me, you know. At, at the Larry and Gordon show, and they waited till like the last hour, which you, you know I usually call in the middle middle of the show. So it's like, what, what's going on? Yeah. But um, and, and I'm not going to be as bad as that caller was and say, you know, remember a time when it was 31 and 19, and <laughs> if Judge didn't get hurt, we wouldn't have. been, you know what? Yeah, the reason I called you called, called, the reason I called you a clown is because that's exactly what, what you did. You called up a radio show. You came up with a bad point, and that's exactly what, what what I did. I clowned it because nobody wants to hear positivity and sunshine from Mr. Aaron Boone. Eighteen strikeouts, and oh my God, you know they have really great great at bad shy. Like, like, like,
1: that's where he yeah. lost a lot of people. And I understand that the argument is, well, it's what he's he was brought here to do. Gir- Girardi was too tense and the mm-hmm. Yankees wanted more of a brand ambassador, someone who could face the media and always show poise and have that sense of positivity. But the problem is it worked when they were winning 100 games. It worked when they were going a championship series. On, on the cusp of missing the playoffs, being on the doorstep of not even qualifying for a three wildcard playoff, it, it, like, that doesn't work. That's embarrassing. And it's and sending that- the wrong message to your team, which they're starting to mimic now. And it sends the wrong message to your fan base.
0: Exactly. And and that's been the worst thing with this situation. It's kind of normalized this, you know, losing. And now at this point, I'm just like, I don't see any end of the road. I was talking to Joe earlier. I don't want this to be the case. But I don't want this to be a situation where Aaron Judges are Dom Mattingly, and pretty much we're not going to figure this out until after, you know, until, until well after his prime. Well, what's crazy, where...
1: yeah, what's crazy, Jose, is that it's not just Aaron Judge you have to be worried about wasting their prime. Garrett Cole as well. Cole might be the Cy Young this year. So you'll have back-to-back seasons where – Your best player won the highest-level accolade, and the combination it resulted in was one playoff series win. Judge was the MVP last year. Cole might be the Cy Young this year. All you have to show for the brilliance of your two best players playing at the top of their game is one playoff series win? Pathetic. Pathetic. (laughs) It's pathetic. But thank you for your time, Ty. Appreciate the call. It's... It's not what you want it, it it is not what you want and the 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 general manager who is someone who now is just you know incapable of losing his job is tasked with having to put together a roster good enough to compete in what has become the best division in football and having to do so while building from a team with holes everywhere. Hole at catcher. Hole at third base. Hole in center field, possibly. If you don't sign Bader to an extension, he's always hurt. And then hole in left field. Then what do you do with your rotation? This year was a wash for Donna for Donna. The hope is he comes back and next year he's be much better. You're losing Severino. Herman's career is, in New York is done. And Montas. You've got question marks all up and down your rotation. I guess the beauty that came from this disastrous season was Clark Schmidt actually developed into a nice pitcher. So he can be a, a, a back end of your rotation guy. But outside of that, uh, what what's the infrastructure of your starting rotation? We go to Dwayne in Virginia. What's up, Dwayne?
3: Hey, what up, Ty? You just became a Debbie Downer for me because all of those points that you were touching are things that we need to improve on. Yeah. And you're correct about all of it. But I think it starts from the top. You know what I mean? And I don't think Boone should lose his job because he is just an analytical manager. Anyone they get will do that. I could give you three names, right? But I'll save that for a minute. Um, what the problem is, is they have these contracts they can't get rid of. You can't lose Rizzo for a year. No one's picking him up. No one's picking up LeMahieu for a few years. No one's picking up Stanton. And you have these pitchers, and you mentioned Domingo, who is very promising, but he has personal issues, and I wish him the best, but I, I don't want him pitch him for my team anymore. And you have all these and mantas, you know? It's like... Cashman hires all these people who are injured when he gets them. Bader. Even Bader is came, Bader you know, Bader's one, Bader one of the greatest defensive center fielders in baseball. Oh, he's awesome, but he he
1: also arrived here in a walking boot, so no one should have been shot. I know, I know. That he, he got hurt. He had the boot, man. <laughs> Let me ask you something, Dwayne. So you don't think Boone should be yeah, fired? But, Do you think that Cashman should be fired? I don't think that
3: will happen because of the money in the contract. No, but I'm saying not
1: not whether or not you think it will happen. Do you think that should happen?
3: Who else would they get? I mean, sure. Because if you think Cashman should
1: be fired, then there's no way you believe that you should can the GM but leave the manager. That doesn't make any sense.
3: Well— I mean, that's why I mentioned other or managerial names. David Cohn was brought up earlier yeah. in the shows.
1: Alan Hunt. Carlos
3: Beltran would be great, and A-Rod would be the best, but he don't need the money, and I don't think he wants the job. But A-Rod knows more about baseball than you and I, you know?
1: Yeah, listen, Dwayne, I appreciate the call. I think the problem for the Yankees is that they're, I don't know that the structure is going to change. So while I don't assign – most of the blame to Boone. I think he's culpable culpable in all, in, in all of this. You can't just have this bad of a regular season and say the manager is not responsible for any of it. That doesn't make sense to me. The problem is that even if you get rid of the manager, the structure isn't going to change. They're still going to run this team the same way they have under Boone. And to your point, they're just going to get Aaron Boone 2.0 which is why it's incumbent upon, uh, upon how, as the owner of this team, if you are going to make the mistake of keeping Cashman, at the very least, there has to be a directive of, let's just change what we're doing here because it's not working. We have to make massive changes to your staff. We're not going to be 100% on in on analytics to the point where it's handcuffing us as far as our decision-making. Because how did the analytics work out for Joey Gallo? How did the analytics work out for Aaron Hicks? We make all these moves in the name of analytics, and it doesn't lead to us winning championships. So the problem starts at the top, which means Cashman should not be the general manager of this team going forward. But if he is, how has got to go up there and say, yo, man all this money I'm pouring into the team for us to miss the playoffs, for us to not make the World Series, convince me why I shouldn't fire you. And then after I don't fire you, I need you to create a blueprint of how we're going to get this team back to being winners. Because there is a generation of fans that doesn't know what the Yankees winning championships is all about. And for the New York Yankees... That's a disgrace. 800 919 Your phone calls when we get back. We'll hit on some NFL. I, I teased Connor Hughes said something that I disagree with about the Giants, so we'll talk about that. And then the uh, Christmas schedule came out. The Knicks are back in action on Christmas, and I got some, some praise I want to heap on Leon Rose before I actually undo a little bit going forward. But you'll know what I'm talking about when we get back right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight
0: with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.
1: 50 years of hip-hop. We celebrate. Ty Butler going until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hit me on Twitter, Ty D. Butler. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls quickly. The NFL.com released its power rankings. We've got a little NFL music, Harvey, that we can cue up real quick. little NFL tunes, get us in the mood, talk some football. There we go. So you know who's at the top, right? Who's at the top, Joe Leo? Who do you think is at the top? Number one in the power rankings. Give me Joe. Chiefs. There you go. Kansas City. Who's number two? Bengals. No, the Bengals are number four. Eagles. Eagles number two. Who's number three? Bills. Bills are five. Number three, NFC. Oh, Niners. Niners is the correct answer. Six. Chargers? Chargers are 12th NFL.com's list. NFC again, number six. Seahawks? Dallas. Ooh. So Cowboys, number seven, Ravens, and then number eight, we get to the Jets. So the, the Jets come in on NFL.com's Power Rankings at number eight. And I'll just go over it uh, real quick again. Chiefs number one, followed by the Eagles, Niners, Bengals, Bills, Cowboys at six. At seven, you've got the Ravens. And then at eight, you got the Jets, who are ahead of the Dolphins, the Jags, who won a playoff game last year, uh, the Lions, who are you know, everyone's sexy pick in the NFC North, the Chargers who just got Kellen Moore to be their offensive coordinator. Hook up with Justin Herbert, just got paid. Now we need to see some playoff success. Then you got the Browns at 13, Seahawks at 14. At 15, you've got the Saints, followed by the Vikings, Falcons, and then finally at 18, you get to the Giants. People are not high on the Giants this year, and and I can't quite figure out why. They've got the Giants ranked behind the Falcons, who are in the midst of a rebuild. a rebuild, And I know they got, you know, Bijan Robinson in the draft, Kyle Pitts, they've got some weapons there. Added uh, Bud Dupree to their defense. But to have the Giants behind the Falcons and the Vikings, who they just beat in the playoffs, the Vikings lost Adam Thielen and, and Dalvin Cook. I understand Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in football. Players had him as the, what did they have him as? The second best player in the league. But to have them behind the Saints? Derek Carr comes in and now the Saints leapfrog the Giants? I don't get it. The Giants being 18th? I don't know. Connor Hughes weighed in on the case show on what a successful season would be for the New York Giants.
4: I think this team will probably win eight games this year. I think that's probably where I see them at. I think it's just a very, very challenging schedule. I'm worried a little bit at the depth That they do not have. They're very, very weak in a couple of positions if one or two guys go down. Uh, If they go over eight wins, I think that's going to put Brian Dable again in coach of the year discussion to go back to back. If they went under, then maybe that's a little bit of a setback or or a greater setback. But if they win eight games or nine games, I I do genuinely believe, I I know it might be hard for Giants fans to hear, I still think that is a successful season because that's going to set up the stage for year three of Brian Dable you're three of Joe Shane, you're three of these guys acquiring talent and developing talent to really take that next step as an organization. So you
1: mean to tell me that the Giants, who last year won a road playoff game, this season could win eight games, meaning they're an under 500 team, and that's a success? You just paid your quarterback $40 million a year. You upgraded your offense significantly. My guy Dave Rotherberg in the morning says he expects the offense to be monumentally better than last year. Saquon, you got back on a team-friendly one-year deal. You paid your left tackle, Andrew Thomas. You locked in Dexter Lawrence. You kept both of your coordinators, Wink and Kafka. You went out and, and drafted... Uh, a cornerback who can go opposite of a Dory Jackson and and uh, Banks. And you're going to sit up there and tell me that fresh off of your coach being given the highest honor uh, for regular season, had the best coaching performance of everyone last year. Quarterbacks locked in. Running back returns. Offensive line expected to be better. Evan, Evan Neal and, and, you know, taking that next step. Defense, Kayvon Thibodeau, that second-year leap. All of these things are going well. Oh, I keep hearing practice and training camp. Darren Waller is unguardable. Jalen Hyatt is impressing. Came in with, there were some question marks about his route running. And he wasn't as polished as you would expect him to be. But he's a speedster, and he's been impressive in camp. Added Paris Campbell. You're getting Sterling Shepard and Wondell Robinson back. So it's no longer just Hodgins and company. Slayton, you mean to tell me all of these things you feel great about about when it comes to the Giants are expected to happen, and a success for this team would be eight wins? Am I missing? Harvey, you're a Giants fan. Am I missing something? Eight wins? That's a success for a team that won a playoff game last year?
3: I don't get it. Dan Grosser last last night and I believe this morning when he filled in for Barton Hahn said that he sees success. If the Giants don't make the playoffs, he thinks a successful season would be if Daniel Jones levels up and proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's a Giants quarterback moving forward. But
1: that doesn't make sense to me because May if that did, happens, me too. if that happens, if Daniel Jones next year proves he is without a shadow of a doubt the quarterback of this team going forward, how are the Giants missing the playoffs?
3: That's what I'm saying.
1: That doesn't make any sense to me. The only way that I can say that you know, Dan and
3: Connor are thinking about this is, is this year
0: two of a rebuild. Because last year was supposed to be year one, and they overachieved and made the playoffs and won a playoff game. And I get that that fast forwards the rebuild, And plans change and expectation changes. But if you're looking
1: at this from year two of a rebuild, does that make sense? How many teams pay their quarterback $40 million and then we get to sit up here and say, oh, eight wins is a a success for that team? Look at the Knicks this past season. They made the playoffs. And now we're expecting we're expecting the Knicks to make the
3: playoffs again, right?
1: Exactly. You can't—the Knicks are not settling for, oh, we missed the playoffs, but we're competitive. With the Giants, you just paid your quarterback top dollar. Top dollar. So, give with the scenario that Dan Gross laid out, if he proves that there are no more questions to be asked about whether or not he's the, the franchise quarterback, it probably means— you made the playoffs because, look, the division is tough, right? Dallas and Philadelphia, there are cases to be made. Those two teams, one of those two teams could come out the NFC, especially the Eagles. We just saw it last year. Dallas has the talent. We just don't trust them because it's Dallas and their head coach is goofy when it comes to clock management. But outside of the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Niners – if there are teams you like, the seahawks they, they had a, a great draft last year. They just drafted uh, uh, the wide receiver, uh, and Geno Smith was was phenomenal. He led the NFC in touchdown passes. The Lions—you know—if they could continue to improve uh, with Jared Goff. There are teams you like in the NFC. Derek Carr with the Saints. But who knows? Who, who knows with the Saints, with Dennis Allen as their head coach?
3: So what happens?
1: But hang on. There are teams you like in the NFC outside of those three teams. But it's a conference that we know is far inferior when you compare it to the AFC. And we act like the Giants. Like, it's just impossible for them to beat the Cowboys. It's impossible for them to beat the Eagles. And I get, last we saw them against Philadelphia it was a bloodbath. But to just sit here and, and expect that a team with the coach of the year that just paid his quarterback $40 million a season signs up for just eight wins and we can call that a success. I, I it's mind boggling. Yeah, it it's be, baffling to me. But what happens
0: if they make the playoff? Or if they don't make the playoffs?
1: That's a disappointment. That's who's a res-
0: who's responsible for that's it. That's
1: a failure. I mean, we uh, that we have to see it play out. Because I would imagine if they miss the playoffs, the responsibility, just big you know, just on the surface, looking at it from a distance, is gonna fall on the on on Daniel Jones. Because I don't think Like, I don't think what we saw with Brian Dable last year was a facade. I don't think it was a mirage. Like, this guy is a a really good head coach. You see, even Josh Allen in Buffalo misses him. Like, the turnovers uh, went up last year. He became more reckless. The Bills missed Dable as their their offensive coordinator. I I think he is a really good head coach. You don't think he's going to take a step back. The defense, you figure, should improve, right? Like, with... You know, Thibodeau in his second year, you just added a cornerback. Dexter Lawrence locked up. You've added some linebackers. That, that was the, the, the soft part of the defense last year. So you would have to say it's, unless we get a massive regression and an injury from Saquon, you got to put it on Daniel Jones. And if that happens, then you're in a world of trouble. And I get you could get out of that contract after the conclusion of next season, not this upcoming season, but two years from now. But just sitting here and calling an 8 win season a success, I, I'm missing something. If that happens, you're in the same boat as you were last year, last season, going into last Which season. Which is a bad boat to be in. It's a bad place to be in, you're right. And it's actually worse because you got duped into, at least going into last season, we learned that Daniel Jones could be could be a good quarterback. All he needed was the mentorship of Brian Dable, one of the best offensive minds in football. If he experiences such a regression that we now have to question it once again, back to where we were a season ago, then it means even Brian Dable can't fix him. And now you're back in the market of looking for a quarterback. Then you have a lot, a ton of questions. Because I don't care how good your team is. Us J- Jet fans know this. You don't have a quarterback. You don't have much of anything. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Eli's in Washingtonville. What's up, Eli? Hey,
4: what's going on, Listen, uh, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, before I get to my Yankee points, uh, let me tell you two truths. Two, two truths about this NFL season about the New York football teams. The Giants are going to go as far as. Daniel Jones, allow them to go. And the New York Jets are going to go as far as their offensive line allows them to go. Those are two truths about this this season for New York football. Uh, And not to my Yankee point, listen, Ty, I've been going at Brian Cashman ever since you've been under controls. Like, I've I've called numerous times and said, (laughs) listen, Brian Cashman needs to go. And now we see with that interview that in the Michael K show, now we see why this guy is has his job. It's cause, you know, how, how Sandbrenner is, is gutless. He has he has he has no no, you know, spine to like face up uh, you know, his mistake of giving the operations to Brian Cashman. And Brian Cashman is just spending his money recklessly and Destroying the Yankee uh, the Yankee dynasty, and it's it's listen. This guy said it himself. Um, you know your record. You know you are what your record says you are. And look at all the bad mistakes that Brian Cashman has made. Of course, he has these little you know lightning in the bottles. But <laughs> at the end of the day, what wins? What matters is championships and 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 the trophies that you that you raise.
1: Yeah. you're
4: not first, you're last
1: yeah, I, I listen, I agree with everything you just said, Eli. I appreciate the call. You look at the Yankees right now, three games above five hundred minus one run differential. So let's put that into perspective. They're the only team in hmm, they're the only team right now that is in the American League above five hundred with a negative run differential. that's. Sh- which is why when people continue to entertain this, well, can they go on a run, look, we've seen enough uh, of a, a sample size. They're just not that good. They're an under 500 team on the road. They have a negative run differential. Their offense is anemic. They've got no real pitching in their rotation outside of Garrett Cole and, you know, Clark Schmidt has come on of late. The bullpen is going to run out of gas. They're not going on a run. And even if they did miraculously get into the playoffs, they'd be done quickly. So there's there's nothing to get excited about. We're just looking forward to the end of the season and seeing what real changes happen. We wrap the show next on 98.7 ESPN. So what happens? But hang on. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry
0: Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Got a
1: couple of minutes left in the show. I hate to bury this uh, at the end here, but we'll get into it more tomorrow night. I will be on these airwaves from 6.30 to 10 o'clock. So I'm doing like the, the last half of the K-Show and then filling in for, for Dan Grasso or the last half hour of the case show then filling in for Dan Grasso on uh, tomorrow night, and then Saturday afternoon, I'll be back from 12 to 3. Next week, I'm here all week, 10 to midnight. By the way, uh, pretty cool, and I'll, I'll give this more pub over the next couple of weeks. Just got a lot of uh, national, la, nationally televised games, so non-1 p.m. games this year, and it looks like, You know, me and Brandon Jacobs are going to be doing some shows. Feel the time. Feel the slot leading into Jets game. So I'm excited about that. We'll get more into that as we get closer to the season. But I wanted to put that out there. 800-919-3776. Leon Rose does deserve credit for what he's done with the Knicks. Wish he would talk to the media more. But, you know, they've made the playoffs in two of their last three seasons. And they do have a uh, foundation of talent That you can say is solid, right? Josh Hart just got that four-year, $81 million extension. You love his game. He's He's a guard who can rebound, tough on defense, and he can hit the open three. Brunson's on the contract at a really good rate for three more seasons. And... The final year of his contract is a player option. He's going to opt out of that uh, because he's just underpaid right now. But you got him under control for three more seasons. Randall's under control for three more years. He's underpaid. You know, Dante DiVincenzo just got a four-year contract. Love him as a two-way player. And right now, you just look at this team, and there's a lot of stability. My biggest question, though, is you're going to have to get a star. And it was announced today that the the Christmas Day games— Uh, The five-pack leads off with Knicks-Bucks. So that is a nice little audition for the Knicks. To show Giannis, this is when you get frustrated and don't win another championship in Milwaukee and you want out, here's where you can come. Because we've got a solid core of young players. Fans are excited about the prospect of winning a championship. We see with Aaron Rodgers the love he's getting here. Not that you need it because you've already solidified yourself as an all-time great. But man, oh man, would it be fun for you to come here and win a championship for this team, for this franchise, for this organization, for this fan base. We'll get a little bit more into that tomorrow. I'll be back 6.30 to 10 o'clock. Happy birthday to Joe Leo. Shout out to Harvey Cruz on the program. Shout out to the listeners. Ty Butler signing off, 98.70 ESPN.